Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. This is Marcy, and with me today is Kim. No, Katie. Yeah, just me. It's just you. I don't think you and I have done a solo or a just you and I podcast maybe ever. I know Katie and I have. If we have, it's certainly been a long time. Okay, it's been a long time. I don't know if we have. Yeah. Um, Well, Katie's living it up at the beach. She is living it up at the beach, which I have not seen too many of her stories. I saw one a couple of days ago. She was at the shore and I was living vicariously through her because she had just gotten frozen yogurt with sprinkles, which is like one of my all time favorite things. Yeah. So I was feeling the envy there. Um, but unfortunately her weather did not look that great. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's been super, she's only a couple hours from me where she went and it had been super crazy hot here, but then we actually got rain just last weekend. So I do think maybe she was, she was here for some of the rainier, cooler part. Yeah. Well, it was nice for those of us not at the beach, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she had responded to one of my stories on Sunday because we got this really dreary kind of not rainy, but drizzly weather. And I had posted about it on my stories because I love like the sun in the morning. I talk about it all the time, but I actually enjoy the, like the cooler kind of more overcast weather. Like that's my vibe. I don't know if it's because I went to school in Oregon, um, but yeah, she responded and she's like, yeah, we're getting that weather here, which I felt kind of bad for her, but yeah, you anyway, don't after they're beach. having a great time and then they go to Colorado after this. Yeah. So, so yeah, our schedule is going to be a little different. So this week, Marcy and I are recording next week. We're taking one week off, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct me if wrong. And then, uh, there's going to be a couple of weeks where it'll be either just Marcy and I, or maybe we'll have a guest. And then there, I think there's going to be, be a week where it's just Katie and Marcy. So uh, we're just going to be tag teaming it uh, through the beginning of September here when we're all back. <laughs> so basically you all are stuck with me, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Marcy, Marcy's going to remain static, except yeah. like I said, I think we might miss one week where we're kind of all different places. Um, yeah. It's just kind of that end of summer travel period we're all doing. Sure. So let's talk about that because you and I, well, we obviously know where Katie is and then you and I both have trips coming up. So where are you off to Kim? Uh, We're off to Tennessee. We're super excited after watching the Elvis movie. We've decided it is time we go to Graceland. Uh, My mom is coming. She's like an Elvis fan, like as a contemporary of Elvis, like when he was making albums, she was a fan. And now my daughter has discovered him through the new Elvis movie. And we listen to Elvis music all the time. Now his story was so compelling. I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought he was just a man who liked drugs and that's how he died. Oh my God. That's not like they did that to him. Like his team drugged him. Yeah. Kind of like Michael Jackson. almost. Yes. They were like drugging him to make money, like more shows, more shows, just give them, give them more drugs. Like they were exhausting him and then feeding him drugs to keep him going. It's, it's a terrible, tragic story. Okay. So I had no idea. First of all, I had no idea about that. I also live under a rock, I guess, because I didn't (laughs) know that there was an Elvis movie. Oh yes. It came out maybe a month ago. Uh, What's the director's name? Baz Luhrmann. And then this 
cutie mm-hmm. new star whose first name is Austin. And I don't remember his last name. Um, did a great job as Elvis. It was a fantastic movie, like two thumbs up for sure. Loved like, it. My- in, in theaters or can yeah. you get it on? Oh, no, no, in theaters. In, okay. is in theaters. Okay. Uh, so good. Loved it. And Tom Hanks plays the manager who was really like abusing Elvis, not like physically abusing him or sexually abusing him, but like abusing him as far as working him too hard. All right. Well, that's good to know because I'm really at the point now where I'm trying to spend more time with my parents. Like Mm. they're, they're getting older and, you know, it's really hitting me hard recently that like, you know, that's real. And, and I, I, I'll be honest, I go over there because they live five minutes from me. So I was there last night, my mom and I were watching the show called how to change your mind by Michael Pollan, which is really interesting. Uh, but yeah, I just want to spend more time with the two of them together. And I think yeah. that would, even though we're not talking while we're in a movie, but you know, it's going out and doing something. Yeah. And, yeah. So maybe that would be, because my dad loves Elvis. You and I were talking oh, yeah. about this off air. He loves like that old country music. So uh, my mom, and he's like not a big movie person, like actually mm. going to the theater, but my mom did drag him and my aunt and uncle to see Top Gun and they oh, all seem okay. to enjoy it. So yeah. Okay. I'm putting that on the list. Put that on when, the list of things to do with yeah, your parents. I am back for my travel because yes. I'm also going somewhere. I talked about this on the podcast already a couple of times. So I'm headed to Sedona on Thursday, going out there through Sunday very excited. So that is for the nutrition dynamic company retreat. So yeah, I think it's just going to be, you know, a mix of kind of not so much work, but team bonding and then fun. So we have a welcome dinner on Thursday and then like an actual team bonding day on Friday and then a hike that night. And then Saturday, it's really up for us to do whatever we want. So one of the coaches is going to do yoga another is going to do breath work. So it's a very, you know, Sedona E type spiritual stuff, yeah. but I think it should be fun other than the fact that it might rain. So fingers crossed that it doesn't, it's only going to be in like the high eighties, which isn't too bad for Arizona in August. Yeah. And I got myself a spray tan last night. I oh, can nice. Feel, I, I can smell it on me. Ugh. Um, I love a good spray tan. I know, right? Nothing better. It just like makes you feel like a different person. And then <laughs> I'll try and get, I'm going to go get a blowout tomorrow so that my hair looks good. Fingers crossed that I don't get stuck in the rain because that will not be a good look. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I well, that sounds that. like fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll be good. So my fingers are crossed that there are no flight delays or anything like that because I mean, you're driving, so you don't have yeah, to we're driving. all that stuff, but yeah, I feel like travel has been a nightmare this summer with cancellations and delays and yeah, whatnot. Absolutely. You got to really, do you have your flight booked for like way ahead of when you're supposed to be actually getting there? Um, we leave at 12 and get in at two, but then the problem is it's a two hour drive to the resort. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the dinner is at, I think six o'clock. So All right. yeah, we're, we're, uh, you it know, it could be dicey, it's dicey <laughs> but whatever. So yeah, I feel like uh, we are, and I cannot believe it's August. That's crazy. Here we are. I don't know how we got here either. I feel like July went by by in just a flash of an eye Yeah, and I'm kind of sad it's gone. Oh, are you? And I'm so, I'm so happy it's gone. (laughs) I know your season is coming up. Your season, Marcy is just like chomping at the bit to have it be fall here. I can sense it. I I love the summer. Um, I, you know, we still got August. It's definitely still summer here for a good solid month. Um, so going to make the most of it. 
Yeah, and August is usually the hottest month for us in California. So we will see how all that plans out. I mean, we've had a pretty mild summer up until this point, but no, um, we will see what happens. And then college football season starts soon and uh, squash. So let's go. <laughs> she she doesn't mean the sport either. It didn't go no. from like the sport of football to the sport of, sport of squash. I mean, that's We're talking about Marcy's favorite time of the year. It is squash season. <laughs> Yes. Well, anyway, so let's chat a little bit more because today's episode is going to be all about stress and the multiple ways it shows up in our life, how we manage it, how it affects our health and fitness goals, you know, that kind of good stuff. So Kim, I know you have been dealing with a bit of a stressful event for yourself and yeah, yeah, so let's talk about that because I think it's important to know or it's important to discuss and just be honest and open with the listeners about, because who knows, it may help someone who is going through the same thing. And, you know, you don't have to go through all this stuff alone. So share with us what's been going on. Well, this was top of mind for me, for sure, because uh, I do, I'm, I'm having some heart strange. I'm having some strange sensations with my heart. I went to the doctor because I started having heart palpitations. Now as a menopausal woman, heart palpitations are par for the course. So if you're a menopausal woman, a perimenopausal woman, um, and having heart palpitations, definitely talk to your doctor, doctor, but know that it is a very common symptom of perimenopause. I have been having heart palpitations the entire time. So we're talking over eight years now I've had heart palpitations, but what was different for me this time was that I started having heart palpitations as a result of exercise. And that was a really scary sensation. Um, the first time it happened when I was doing bike intervals. So I'd go really, really fast and hard for a few minutes and then really slow. I'd been doing these for several months. This was not a new exercise for me. And my heart palpitations came on super fast. And if you don't know what a heart palpitation feels like, your heart beats really, really fast. And it can kind of do this thing where it like feels like it flips and flops. And so Mm -hmm. that's what happened. It's a really weird sensation. And it scared me since I was exercising like so hard. So I was like, okay, like I'm just going to not do the rest. Cause it was like intervals of like three minutes on two minutes slow. So I was like, I'm just going to skip the rest of this. I'm just going to pedal nice and slowly. And that's what I did. And I just kind of didn't think about it again until it happened again. The next week I did it. And I was immediately thinking like, I'm just going to call the doctor. My dad died of congestive heart failure. Um, his dad died of congestive heart failure, both of them in their sixties, my dad in his early sixties, which is only 10 years from me now. That's only 11. It's 11 years. My dad died when he was 11 years older than I am right now. There's heart, um, problems in our family history. So I was just like, you know, I need to take this seriously. And in the interim, while I was waiting for my appointment, it happened two more times. One, when I was walking up a whole bunch of stairs and one, when I was lifting weights and that one really freaked me out because then it started making me afraid to train because like, it's not a good sensation. So I've just been training at a lower intensity. I've seen my doctor. We have a whole heart workup coming up the whole month of August. I'm going to be doing a stress test. I'm going to wear a Holter monitor for 24 hours. Um, I'm getting a, she called it a heart cam, although I can't find it called that on the internet. It's like a CAT scan type thing of your heart and it can measure the calcification in your heart. Hmm. We're going to have a really clear picture of everything that's going, we had an EKG already done, but I have a really clear picture of what's going on with my heart. In the end, what I'm thinking that it's going to be found and hoping, um, I think they're going to come back and say, this is stress related, that there's mm-hmm. nothing structurally wrong with my heart. And I, I feel that even though I, I wanted to see a doctor because I know very well, I've had an intense period of stress directly preceding 
what happened with my heart. Um, and so I'm starting to try and more seriously manage my stress in addition to seeing my doctor. So I do think it's important for us to always seek medical advice whenever we have like strange health things, but also to look at like lifestyle, like what might be precipitating what's happening. And so I am working on it. And I know, like I said, I know very clearly they're not, one of them is not something I can share here on the podcast. It's like a really like one of the biggest stressors that there is. And another one, it's been a hugely impactful and it might, for people who aren't religious, you might be like, I don't even understand. Those of you who are will likely understand. I've been having what people usually call a faith crisis. Mm. I've decided not to use that word <laughs> because I don't really want to be self-defining myself as having a crisis. Um, but the religious tradition I've grown up with my whole life, I'm having some questions about. And so I'm choosing to call it a faith expansion, which feels yeah. more empowering, but mm, it has it has been incredibly um, emotional and upsetting and really um, shaking the, the foundation of my life. So yeah. that combined with this other really big stressful event that's taken place in my life, um, it's no wonder that I'm having physical sensations. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this, because I had brought it up to you. Do you want to share about this on the podcast? Because I do think it's helpful. And let's be honest, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of share some of my own journey and health history, because it's very similar to what you just talked about. That's why I was like, let's bring it up on the podcast. I mean, I've been very open about my health struggles. So I have an autoimmune disease, some other stuff as well, which came on when I was a junior in college. So I was diagnosed with psoriasis and like if of all the autoimmune diseases that you can have, psoriasis is probably, I hate to say it like the best one mm. <laughs> because it doesn't mean unless it returns into psoriatic arthritis, it's not um, like life-threatening by any means, but it's definitely scary because it's it, like, for me, it was all over my body. Like I looked like I had the chicken pox. So mm -hmm. as a young 20 year old girl who cares about what she looks like, like that was devastating. Yeah. But when I say it's probably one of the best ones to have one, because it's not quite as serious, but also because it's much easier to diagnose. And a lot of times people with autoimmune disease, they will go like years and years without getting a diagnosis because they can be very like silent. So, you know, you can't outwardly see it. So a lot of people will be like, well, you don't look like you're sick. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but I feel like hell. <laughs> um, and so you go to the doctor and they dismiss you because also sometimes like it doesn't come up on blood tests or, you know, other lab work or excuse me, like testing that you're doing. So for me, it was clear as day. I did the biopsy and got the diagnosis and I felt, you know, fine after that. And it wasn't until a year later when my health really started to deteriorate. So for me, it was similar to you, Kim, in that I was on the, uh, the step mill and I had done this workout every single day of my life for probably years. Like went to the gym 5.30 in the morning, got on the step mill for probably 45 minutes. It was fine. And this time it was, I think two weeks before I graduated from college. So a stressful time, like not only am I dealing with finals, but also this huge transition point in my life. So I hop up and within a minute, my chest gets so tight. I could hardly breathe. I did kind of start to feel those palpitations like you were talking about as well. I'm like, well, this is weird. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the treadmill. <laughs> so I went to the treadmill, same thing. And so I was like, well, maybe I'm getting a cold or something. I'm just going to go home. But the hypochondriac in me definitely, like the wheel started to turn. 
And I continued to experience that sensation on and off throughout the day for, you know, the next week. Um, and then I finally went to the emergency room and yeah, they're like, it's stress. And I feel like with doctors, that's kind of how they, you know, classify most things, mm. um, especially when it makes sense, right? So like, yeah, you're graduating all of that. Uh, and they gave me a, not a sedative, but some type of like anti-anxiety medication. And part of me was like, I don't know if this is it. Uh, so I took the medication. It was not helping and the palpitations just continued. So again, that went, um, that was like off and on for years. So finally, once I had moved home, started working all of that, I really was trying to figure out what is going on my, with my health. Why is this happening? And I ended up at a gastroenterologist of all places and they did an endoscopy and he noticed I had really bad acid reflux. And that is what was causing the sensation in my chest. So he put me on what's called Asifex, which is the most potent anti or antacid that you can be on. And it did, it cleared up the symptoms. Um, so I'm not on that anymore. And that has never come back. Thank God. But yeah, it just goes to show that there's, I mean, there are multiple reasons why we could be experiencing something, but I definitely think that stress is one of them. Um, and the other thing I will say about that speaking back to college is I was in a sorority and our philanthropy was uh, women's like heart disease or something like that, because it is the number one killer of women. Yeah. So yeah. ladies out there, you know, don't take this stuff at face value, be your own best advocate. If you notice that something does not feel right in your body, that is a signal that something is, is coming up, whether it is a legitimate health issue that needs to be addressed, or, you know, maybe in your case, Kim, like hopefully it is just stress, but that that needs to be managed as well. Absolutely. Figure out like what, what is the source of this stress and what can I do to either manage it or eliminate it? Yes. So yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes there are stresses in our lives that we can absolutely work on eliminating. There are some stresses we can work on managing. There are some stresses that literally we can't affect like the people who are stressing us out. Like there's nothing we can do about the situation. And it really comes down to managing our reaction um, so that we're not, you know, filled up with this stress. So, and I think really evaluating stress in your life to like, is this something I can actually change? Is there something I can do to try and eliminate the stress, reduce the stress, or does it really come down to me managing my reaction to the stress and what it does to my life? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really true. And it, it can be a hard pill to swallow for some people that you really have two options. You can either get out of the situation or you can accept it and do things to just like manage it to the best of your ability yeah. and, and like really, you know, reframe your mindset around it as well. I have a lot of women who um, are in my aging stronger society group right now um, who are of the age where their parents are declining in health. Mm -hmm. And there's so much uh, stress that comes along with like, now I'm putting my dad in um, assisted living and he doesn't really want to be in assisted living, like that kind of thing. And, you know, now I'm dealing with my parents needing more support from me on a daily, life, on a daily basis, all of these things that really come into play at that time of life. And there's nothing to do to change the situation, but mm -hmm. finding a way to manage the stress around it is so important. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. What are some of the suggestions that you are giving to those ladies? Because I'm not, 
I was saying before that we really got into this, that like, I am seeing my parents age for sure. Not so much my mom, like the woman still has tons of energy and basically runs circles around me. (laughs) Um, But my dad definitely. So I feel like his health is just deteriorated and it's like, he's aged 10 years overnight, which is so, so hard for me to deal with. So we're not at the point where like, oh, he needs to be in assisted living or like anything like that. But I think for me, it's just, it's knowing that that time is getting closer and it may be inevitable and almost preparing myself for the inevitable. Right. But I'm, yeah, I'm curious, what are some of the suggestions that you're giving your clients? One of the questions that I have them ask themselves and that we kind of chat through is like, is the distress related to this? Is this going to be like a short-term thing, like an acute thing? Like, okay, now my, my parent is like in the hospital kind of thing or like my brothers and sisters can't come help for X number of days or weeks, or is this going to be like an, a long-term thing? Because if the answer is that this is going to be a long-term situation of you needing to assist in continuous issues, you still got to find a way to get your health on your priority list. Because if you constantly shove down, like eating well, moving your body, sleeping to care for these other people, what's likely to happen your health is going to diminish. And so really determining like, is this a short-term thing to sometimes like we all have seasons of our life where we have to kind of backpedal, like we're not going to get as much sleep and we're not going to have an easy enough time getting in like the full exercise we want. Maybe we have to do some smaller portion, but if we do that for too long, now our health is compromised. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the first things I have them consider, like, where are you at with that? And if it is going to be like a long-term issue, how are we getting you back to the top of your priority list? And sometimes that means getting more help from family, getting more help from the community, you know, getting more help is usually the answer. If it's that longer thing, delegating, you know, cause sometimes that's it. Sometimes there are other people to help, but you don't, you don't really want to give it to them because you feel like you can do it better. Right. And so being able to delegate some of these things so that you can do those basics for yourself, like get enough sleep and hydrate yourself and eat healthy food and move your body. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I will say this and you can agree or disagree. I'll, I'll be curious to what you think, but especially as women, I feel like we have such a sense of guilt if we put ourselves first. I mean, I'm really getting to the point where I just do it regardless. And like, I know, like, as you were saying earlier, if I do not take care of my health and practice self-care and all that, then I am not going to be one healthy for me. And my health is very sensitive. Like I have to take care of it, or I'm not going to be the best for my clients, my family, my friends, all of that. Um, So I've gotten better about maybe not so much the boundaries necessarily, but just like, yeah, before my workday starts, I'm going out for my walk. I'm doing my morning routine, that kind of stuff. Um, But do you, with your clients, are you experiencing that they feel that guilt of like, well, someone else has it worse, so to speak, or because someone is dealing with a health issue or whatever it might be that they take priority. And I feel guilty if I'm putting myself first. Oh, a hundred percent. I think women generally have that issue, right? Whether we're talking about it's our aging parents or it's our teenagers, it's our kids, it's our coworkers at work because their situation is they're in a worse off situation than we are. So we should take on the extra work, right? Whatever it is, I think as women, we really tend to take on this caregiving role And we really put ourselves down at the bottom of the list and we kind of let ourselves keep sliding and sliding and sliding. And it is true 
that if you put yourself up at the top of the list, you're going to show up better for all of those people. You're going to show up better for your job. You're going to show up better for your kids, for your parents. And I think that's a really valid thing. I really like women to kind of even take a step back from that and think about the fact that they're worthy of showing up for themselves, whether it benefited nobody at all, right? Mm -hmm. Like even if nobody else benefited from it, if just you benefit, you extend your life, you have a better quality of life. You're still worthy of that. Like you are a human being who deserves to exercise and sleep and have high quality health. Like you're deserving of that. Mm -hmm. But some people aren't ready to really hear that. Um, that's something I actually teach in one of the modules of my course, because I think it's so important. It gets so overlooked, like that you have value just as a you, but for some people, it really works better to think about like, Hey, I'm going to show up better for all the people in my life. If I can show up better for myself. Well, and another part of this, and I'm talking from personal experience sometimes, not sometimes, but I know for me doing things for other people was my way of getting validation and feeling like I was enough. So running myself ragged, doing all the things, prioritizing other people really as a way to be seen and like, Oh, Marcy, you work so hard. Like, I can't believe you do it all. (laughs) Yeah. I've definitely been there with that. Definitely. Especially as a younger mom, that was for sure. Like had to have the cutest back to school stuff and the cutest stuff. Like I'm going to be the room mom and I'm not just going to be the room mom. I'm going to make the best room mom parties. And like, it was really a lot about, of course I wanted my kids to have fun, but it was a lot about it. It's like sense of like, this is where I'm getting my worth being this amazing mom and caregiver. And like, we're going to make everything be super fun. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other component of that, because I really believe that your emotional health ties into your stress. So your repressed emotions, Mm. if you are not expressing those and being honest, like that can make you sick. I have experienced that for sure. So I feel like what happens is we are running ourselves ragged. We're not prioritizing our health, our needs. And then we feel resentful towards the other people. Like, Oh, I'm doing all this for you. And either I'm not getting help from X, Y, Z, or this person isn't, um, acknowledging me. They're not showing their appreciation. And even that can be stressful. Yeah. So it's like, are you doing it for the right reasons? First and foremost, like I know, yes, sometimes you, you have to do these things, you know, people need your help and you're the only one there. Um, but yeah, you just have to kind of, excuse me, assess if, if part of this is, you know, for the right reason for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, speak up kind of like you said, ask for help, get support because you are only one person. You cannot do it alone. And I'm just going to segue kind of going back to what you were saying about if this is a short term situation, what can you do in that time? So for example, one of my clients about a month ago, her parents who aren't in the best of health, her mom had like an acute issue that came out of nowhere and, you know, was very scary, heart related. And so now they have to make all of these changes to her lifestyle. And because my client has the closest relationship with her parents, lives the closest, everything falls on her. So she is a very structured and regimented woman. It's like, I work out four times a week. Like I do this, I do that. Uh, And so it can be difficult when situations like this come up very unexpectedly. And now you have to adjust on the fly or, you know, kind of pivot and 
turn down the intensity of what you were doing previously. Mm -hmm. So that is what she and I did. Like she went from four workouts and like, okay, we're just going to do three workouts because you know, you can commit to that. You were tracking macros. Okay. Let's move to what we call the plate method so that you have some structure. You're still fueling your body, but you're not meticulously tracking the macros and, you know, in the app and all of that. Um, so do you have any suggestions in that regard for if it is a more short-term situation, what can somebody do to manage it? Yeah, Marcy, that right there is exactly it. What you just said, like dialing back the intensity. Like, look, we know that some of the things that can help with stress are exercise and eating well. But sometimes when you have a high, a period of high stress, trying to continue, if you are already a person who's like really in, like, for example, if you're in a fat loss phase, maybe this is a time to come out of that and stay at maintenance for this short period of time. So you actually, you know, you have more calories on board. Um, your recovery mm. can really suffer if you're stressed out. And the, oftentimes that's impacting how much sleep are you getting? And so I really do like this idea of not just like throwing caution to the wind and being like, now I'm just going to eat out of the vending machine for the next two weeks. Right. I mean, yeah, but you know, so, but bringing up your calories so that you're in maintenance, lowering the intensity, lowering, um, how much work you're doing as far as exercise and giving yourself guidelines to eat that are not, um, mentally time consuming, like mentally filled with effort, right? So this maybe isn't a great time to be counting calories, but maybe it's a great time to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to have a salad every day, or I'm going to have vegetables at two meals. Or like Marcy said, the plate method, like really looking for simple ways that you're still nourishing your body. And then I really think this would be a great time to, um, walk. Right. And so mm -hmm. if that's like the only exercise you're doing, even just like getting outside can help so much with that. Um, mm -hmm wow, have I taken long walks in the past month or two oh, yeah. <laughs> when I've been having stress, I've definitely dialed back the intensity of my workouts because what was going on with my heart. Um, but I've been taking a lot longer, slower walks outside. Um, and it, it was one of the only things that was helping when I was having some real like pan, I, I have anxiety, I have panic attacks sometimes, mm -hmm. and they have come raring back during, during this. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the only things that would kind of help me snap out of that was going on these long walks. So I, I oh, I, got, I agree. And you and I both talk about walking on our story, Instagram stories, or even, you know, on our feeds, you just yep. put up a post the other day. I put up a post like probably the hundredth one at this time yeah. uh, on walking on Sunday. And it's so interesting because it seems so simple. It doesn't seem sexy or hardcore enough, but I got to tell you, Kim, I don't know about you. My posts about walking are hands down the most well responded to. People love them because I People think love they, it. they do. Cause one, I think it's simple. And they're like, I could actually do that. And two, uh, there's just so much good that comes from it. And I think people are hearing it because people like you and I are talking about it. Like it can literally extend our lives. It can help us reduce our health, it, uh, health. All right. We don't, it's not going to help us reduce our health, our stress. It can help reduce our stress, right? It can really help with weight loss. There's just so many angles, um, that we can come at as far as what walking more can do for us. Yeah. And I show my daily walk every single day on my stories. Usually I go for two, one in the morning, one in the evening. So I'll at least put one up there. And are there times when like, people are probably bored to freaking tears. Like, girl, will you stop showing these damn walks? <laughs> like we, we know. All right. But I think it's really important. And I was validated by this 
last night because we were talking off. Oh no. I said, I went and got my spray tan on air. Um, so my, the girl who does my hair also does my spray tans and we have been friends since middle school. So I have seen her, you know, or known her throughout all of our adulthood and have seen what she has gone through in her life, you know, vice versa. So she was there for me with my divorce. I was there for her, like through her infertility and like the birth of her baby and this and that. Um, but we've also definitely, I hate to use the word commiserated, but like empathize with one another because we also experience anxiety, you know, most days. So I went in there last night and we were talking about stuff and she's like, yeah, I'm just having a really hard time. And I fainted at work the other day. And it was, you know, a couple of days after like a really triggering and stressful event that happened. And she's like, I know that I have to get out there and walk more. She's like, and I see your stories every day. And I'm like, and they just look so nice and relaxing. And I'm telling myself, I got to walk like Marcy. So like, has she gotten there yet? No, not necessarily, but at least the wheels are turning. And that's the reason I do it. Hoping that at some point it's going to inspire. And I know it already has inspired people because they, oh, sure. they messaged me about it. Yeah. Um, but, but me that's why I get DMS. I get emails yeah. from people saying like, I get up and go for my walk because I'll be thinking no. And then I see you come on and tell me to, and then I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to go do it. <laughs> I get messages yeah. like that all the time. Yeah. And it's very gratifying. So that is, it's less about, Oh, look at me and more. How can I inspire you to get on board with this? Because it really is the best thing that you can do for your mental, emotional, and physical health, hands down. 100%. Yeah. Uh, but circling back, I did want to acknowledge what you said about maintenance. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, if you know that you're going to be in an acute period of stress, like, oh, I've got a, a deadline at work for the next week or so. Okay. You can probably push through or like, maybe you take your calories to maintenance for that week. But if you realize like I am going into a stressful season mm -hmm. or I'm in this fat loss phase, I'm a couple weeks in, a couple months in, but I know I still have a ways to go. And then something hits, you're like, okay, this is going to be taking the majority of my time and my attention. Then yes, I would say wave that white flag, surrender, and just be like, that is not serving me because as we know, fat loss and intense exercise. So not walking. Walking is a, a parasympathetic activity, so it's going to help lower cortisol, reduce stress, but high intensity exercise like weightlifting, interval training, that is a stressor that your body needs to recover from. So if you're layering that on top of a calorie deficit, on top of the emotional or mental stress, and then let's be honest too, a lot of times when we're stressed, we're not sleeping well. So we can, we can say all day long, like get your sleep and yes, prioritize that, please. But I know when I'm stressed, my sleep is the first thing that suffers, mm -hmm. not because I'm not, I mean, well, yes, sometimes I can doom scroll, but, <laughs> um, but more just like, you know, the monkey mind is, is racing. So yeah. yeah, I think that adding a calorie deficit to an already stressful life is just fuel to the fire. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things. Um, I recommend for sure working with a coach around this, especially if you're somebody whose life is just always stressful. Like if that's your life. And you're like, I need to lose weight for my health. Like working with a coach to manage that is, is a game changer for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and having them help you like periodize these seasons. Like, all right, if your life is always stressful, one, 
what can we do to help it be less stressful? Are there things that you can actually change to make it less stressful? Or are there less stressful and more stressful periods? Maybe we can um, put the fat loss phase in one of the less stressful of the stressful periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll share another client story that came up yesterday, actually, when I was doing her check-in. I mean, this woman is amazing. She has such a positive and resilient mindset, but they talk about stress and she's been with me now for, I think six months. And I swear every single week since we have been together, like something major has happened, (laughs) like, you know, or not like, like catastrophic, but just like something that like really is stressful. Um, she does deal with some health issues and then she has a very high power job, uh, where she sometimes is working, you know, 12, 13 hour days where she literally can't get up from her desk. She's traveling, traveling internationally, things like that. And yeah, she came to me and we were in a fat loss phase and there have been times when we've got to put that on hold and then, okay, we'll re-enter for the time being, you know, when stress does start to decrease a little bit, but now it's picking up again. And she shared with me in her check-in that she's experiencing the physical symptoms. So she has for a long time gotten really bad migraines, but she got an even worse one this weekend. And then, oh, my heart rate is elevating. Like my blood pressure is trending up and it's like, okay, we got to figure something out. Like, I know you cannot change. Well, you know what I did say to her, I'm like, maybe it's time to look for another job because mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself, is this really worth it? Yeah. There's only, like, there's only so many boundaries you can set. There's only, only so many things that you can do for your self-care before you're like, is this just no longer serving me anymore? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also say something because I am reading a book right now, very slowly called think like a monk by Jay Shetty. And it's really nice. And I am on the chapter where he's talking a little bit about stress and that, yes, there's like positive stress, there's negative stress. And there's another book called the upside of stress by Kelly McGonald. McGonagall, um, who is a researcher at Stanford, and she talks about it. And this is what he was saying in the book. You know, there are those stressors where it's a you stress, which means beneficial one, because what you are doing is purposeful. So like you and I, Kim, with our businesses, okay, it can be stressful at times. I know you're heading into a launch season, but you are so passionate about the work you do and helping other women that that stress is something that like you almost want to tolerate. Mm -hmm. And, but like, if it's a job that is just sucking the life out of you, then that's where you have to get really honest and ask yourself, is it time for a change? Yeah. And I know change can be scary, you know, like, um, whether that's you're out of work for a while or you have to go and do something else. But this is something that a lot of my clients are, are dealing with right now. It's kind of this um, and I don't want to say like a midlife crisis, but this wake up call of I've been in this job now for 15, 20 years. I don't know any different, but it's sucking the life out of me and it's creating more stress. Yeah. I'm with you. I talk to women all the time who like, they start to think about these like later in life career jumps because their jobs are so stressful and they don't even like them. And they're realizing like, I don't even like this, which is part of the stress. Yeah. And again, I know it's not always or something easier said than done if you have young kids, a family and all of that, but are there at least things that you can start putting into motion yeah. to, to make, even to make you feel better. Sometimes when you just start the process of, okay, I'm accepting that this is my situation, mm-hmm. but that there's also something I can do about it. 
So if I, maybe that's just like cleaning up your resume or mm -hmm. looking up jobs, just doing a little something to get the ball rolling. Yeah. We're definitely not here trying to tell you, like, Hey, go quit your job. It's too stressful. No. But could you start some kind of action plan to see like, if I do want to make a change, even just doing that can feel so empowering and like, yeah. you know, put you in a, a different headspace of like, Oh, I could make a change if I decide to, mm -hmm. how might I do that in a way that's going to be best for me and my family, my finances, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And maybe it just makes the stress that you're experiencing a little bit more tolerable in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, you know, maybe there is an end in sight kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, so another thing that I posted about on Saturday, and I did not expect this to get the type of feedback that it did. I put up a reel that was saying something along the lines of, do you really not have, or do you not have the energy to do something? Or like, can you reframe it as if I do this thing, it's actually going to give me back energy. So it's like, do I have that? What, how, I don't even know how I worded it. I apologize. Um, I was way more eloquent. <laughs> Look it up, Kim. What did I say? I'm, I'm looking it up. What did Marcy say on Saturday? Let's see. Marcy, what does it look like? Uh, oh, when you feel you don't have the energy to do something, ask yourself, hang on. It's, it's a reel. I'm playing it. Is it costing me more energy not to do it? Thank you. Very yes. Well yes. Well okay. Um, and I, I gave some examples from my own life in the caption because it's those, what I call open loops and yeah. open loops can be very stressful from the perspective of like, you don't really realize that it's causing you stress, but it's this thing in the back of your mind. That's always there kind of like just, you know, running on like really running the show. And because you are not closing those loops, it's just draining your mental energy. And then when your mental energy is drained, it really does affect your physical energy as well. So what I was saying is like, oh, I've got these things that I ordered from Wayfair, you know, like a rug and the, the plant that came broken that I have to return. That's been sitting there for like six weeks, taking up space, you know, and that's clutter. Yeah. So not only space in my brain, like, oh, I've got to return that thing, but also physical space. And uh, I really do believe like outer order, inner calm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, the, the email that you want, that you need to send, but you're worried about how the person is going to respond. It's like, oh, I'll put that off for another day. And it just starts to weigh on you. Absolutely. It's amazing how much mental energy, those kind of things can suck and figuring out for you individually, what things do suck your energy for me. Clutter absolutely sucks my energy. And by the way, saying that does not mean I have a clutter-free house, but I definitely have really good clutter-free zones mm -hmm. because I just can't handle, I can't handle working in clutter. I have to like get it off my desk, get it out of my mind, um, those kinds of things. So I'm really good about to-do lists of like small things that I'm going to do. So even at even just putting the thing on the to-do list rather than just in my mind, constantly thinking I have to return that important email. I have to return that email. Just when I get it on the list and I know like it's there, like I will get to it before the end of the day. It makes me feel so much freer in my brain rather yeah. than trying to hold it in there. Cause I know I can't, I know I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop that ball. <laughs> uh -huh. No, Exactly. So like, yeah, if anything, just start with the brain dump and that in itself will be like this huge sigh of relief. And then from yes. there, once you have everything out on paper, you can see it more clearly, then it's easier to make a decision 
as to what is that first thing going to be that I tackle. And usually, I mean, I would say, start with the smallest, like what's the thing that you know you can do right now. And like maybe the biggest thing that's taking up the mental space is what you should focus on, but Hey, let's build some momentum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you get one thing done, it's like, okay, now I feel like I can do the next. And it's also that, um, that situation where sometimes just starting is the hardest part. So once you overcome the resistance and maybe you just tell yourself, I'm just going to do it for five minutes. I am going to organize my closet or clean up the clutter in the kitchen for five minutes. And then I'll, I'll be good. If I want to stop, I give myself permission to, but nine times out of 10, what happens? You get on a roll and you keep going. And the next thing you know, it's done. And you're like, yeah, my daughter was having a lot of resistance about reading this book she has for her summer reading. And she came down yesterday and told me, she's like, I read 18 chapters today. And they're really, (laughs) they're really short. I'm reading the same book. And I was like, you did. I'm like, well, tell me about that. Because like all summer, she's like, oh, I read one and it's been three days. And she's like, I finally decided what I was going to do. Like, look, she's on summer vacation. She doesn't have a ton to do. She's like, I would read a chapter. And then after I'd read a chapter, I'd watch one 21 minute episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And she's <laughs> like, and then I would immediately read another chapter and then I'd watch another episode. So she was alternating back and forth between what she had to do and what she like was like this little reward for her. Now, mm-hmm. for most of us as grownups, you can't like constantly dedicate 21 minutes. But um, it reminded me, I was telling her about the Pomodoro method. Do you know that, that Marcy? I, I was just going to say it. Yep. Yeah. And so you have a focus block of 20 minutes where you work on one thing, like literally one thing, like you don't let other things get in the way. And then you take a five minute mental break. Maybe you go outside, maybe you pet your dog, but you time it. It's five minutes where you're away from your work. You're doing something to relax your brain and you go back for another 20 minutes and you do that. So you get four focused 20 minute blocks. And then you take a longer block, maybe like 30 minutes where it's a really dedicated break. And then you can repeat that as many times as you need to. And it's a really useful way to get a lot done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that reminds me of another book. I'm just throwing out all the book recommendations today. It's called <laughs> the power of full engagement. And it was a book that was recommended to me by my first business mentor, Joe Coleman. So she gave it to all of us to read and it really is powerful. And it's exactly what you said. So one, we are not human or we're not humans. We're humans. We're not robots. So we feel like we have to be productive all day long and we can't slow down. We take, you can't take a break. And I think part of that too, is like that guilt of like, Oh, if I take a break, like there's something wrong with me, Mm. right? Like I should be able to power through. And it's like, no, the opposite, like your brain can only function at its highest capacity for so long before like, you're just tapped out. And then I'm sure you've realized, you know, like I know Kim, you're uh, getting ready to launch the the course again. And that's a lot of work on your plate. It's a lot of that like mental focus and energy, and that can be very draining. So if you sit at the computer for eight hours straight, I'm sure at the eighth hour, your work is not as good as it was the first 30 minutes. Absolutely. So, So how can you reframe it and be like, by giving myself those breaks, I'm actually going to be more productive, more efficient. My work is going to be better. I'm going to make fewer mistakes, which then is going to take me more time on the back end to, to redo or to fix. Um, so think about it that way. But yes, it's like taking those little breaks uh, every so often. And then maybe after two hours, you take the longer, like really recharge break. So I'm going to go out for that 20 or 30 minute walk. I'm going to make a healthy lunch and like sit down and eat it undistracted. 
and then come back. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, I feel like we've. So the one other thing I'll end with from my part is I think that um, something over and above what you can do for yourself over and above what a book could help you with over and above what a coach could help for help you with therapy guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. If if you're really struggling with stress or maybe it's the thing that's causing you the stress, um, getting a therapist to help you through it. I can't recommend it highly enough. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I had taken a break from therapy for a really long time just because I had a bad experience with my last one. And it's been something that I was considering going back to, but I have so many coaches that I work with that I was kind of like not, not saying like using them as therapists where I was like emotionally dumping on my coach. Mm -hmm. Um, but just like having those conversations, I was like, do I really need a therapist? And it got to the point where I was like, yes, I do, because I don't want to emotionally dump on my coach. I want to, you know, keep that to be what it is. And I reached out to a guy who was a therapist in Utah. So I was just doing the distance-based stuff and just scheduling the appointment made me feel better. Mm. Yeah. But it's so true. Like you, you have to have that outlet and yeah, if you can, uh, you know, find the, the resources to do it by all means do because better out than in for sure. So that was a great suggestion, Kim. Thank you for giving it. All right. Anything else from you, Mars? No, I think we can end it there. That was a full episode. So everybody just do what you can to manage your stress. You are worth it. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.